Hello, everyone, and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look, you will be too. Today, we're going to be sitting down with Angela Clay, Executive Director of Paws for a Cause Cat Rescue, a nonprofit animal rescue that helps kittens and cats find new homes after they are fully vetted and fixed. Although this rescue just got its start in 2019, Angela has been doing animal welfare work for over three decades. And seeing as she's saving dozens of cats at a time, it's clear that she's not slowing down anytime soon. That's why we were so happy she was able to take some time out of her day to reflect on her experiences and the strength it takes to carry on. If you like this episode, be sure to click that subscribe button to listen in on similar stories. Other than that, let's get started. Hey, Angela, how are you? Hi, I'm good. And yourself? Really good. I know we're catching you on the run, so we feel really <laughs> lucky to be able to snag you for a minute here as to get a little inside look into everything that you do. Yeah, constant nonstop rescue is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I mean, you got to love it then. <laughs> it's not something that you... <laughs> right. It's deep in the heart. I'll tell you that it comes very deep from the heart. Well, tell us, so how did Pause for a Cause Cat Rescue get started? Actually, it was probably about oh, 30 years ago. I showed horses across the United States. And I got to the point that I kept seeing cats at all the show facilities. And then what I did was I started looking up veterinarians that were in each city and each state. And I would call them a week before I'd go and I'd say, hey, it's Angela, you know, and I'd say, I'm coming in on Thursday or Wednesday or whatever. You know, do you have some openings? And they'd be like, bring them in, bring them in. So I would trap and, and then get spay and shots and everything. and then. I had a TNR program. So then I would release them back into the show facility, which then I provided food year round to the show facility also. So I kind of got into it that, that way. And then when I moved into the Texas, Oklahoma area, I really got serious about it. And it just really started happening. So we've had pause since 2019, but I've been doing it forever. So that's how we kind of got started. Yeah. Wow. That's Incredibly interesting that like kind of horses <laughs> brought their uh, the cat's needs to your attention. That's amazing. See something, say something. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense. I think like thinking about like probably what's going on in like horse facilities, it probably is like a, a nice place for cats to, <laughs> to congregate, I think. Yeah, definitely. Congregate is the correct word. <laughs> <laughs> And at least they're protected and they got people that go in there and feed them and stuff. The different, you know, shows that go in and out. But then I have the facility people that can watch. And I kind of taught them how to do, you know, the TNR programs too. And a lot of them, you know, picked up on that and ran with it. So it's been a good thing for around the United States. Well, so tell us, what is it like right now? Because I know, like you said, your kind of bread and butter is TNR. And obviously, you've got a big heart for that because of all that experience. But I know you also, taken some special cases. My rescue right now has about 150 cats in it. Wow. 
So my TNR is actually with one of my people that helped me with the whole program. So she has literally taken over the TNR. I only have probably four cat colonies that I personally take care of now, but I literally am doing 12 and 13 hour days taking care of my facility that I have now. That's incredible. It's hard. I'll tell you what. And then then I have to take time out just like now to go to the vet, to get, you know, meet people, to drop off food, drop off litter that people need. I mean, I'm always serving this community around here like crazy. And it's like me, myself and I. So all three of us do it all. I am wondering in the past two years, have you seen an increase in like stray populations? I, I've heard because COVID at the time when the shelters closed and people were confined inside that a lot of the cat colonies were kind of left to populate and to, and to breed. Are you, are you seeing an increase kind of everywhere that you've been? Not in our area, not in the area that we take care of. We've kept everything under control. As soon as we have a new one, we try to get in and get them pay and neutered immediately, you know, ear notched, taken care of. Where I'm seeing it at is the people that, let's say in the back alley, I'm just saying, the people in the back alley who got, oh, the free little kittens and cats on the internet. Well, then when they got them, they were unable to get them fixed or they just flat out didn't get them fixed. So that's what I'm seeing now is the influx of, I can't keep my cat any longer. My cat had kittens. We lost our apartment or our house. We need to give up our cats. That's what I'm seeing. So I'm taking care of the public who didn't take care of their cats when they should have. But the TNR, no, we've got that down pat. We know who, what, when, where, what time. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then as soon as we can catch them and get them tamed down, some of them are house cats. One the other day just come running up and said, hey, help me. Into the carrier they went. We scanned them. There was nothing. Brought them to the vet. And uh, you can see my face. The vet is totally full. Anyway, then you see that they haven't been fixed or anything. They're pregnant. So we have to take those cats off the street. I mean, we have to take those cats off the street. They cannot survive that way. So, yeah, I mean, TNR is probably one of the few activities that was probably like social distancing, like friendly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was outside. And as long as you had vets that could spay and neuter, it sounded like like a game on. Do you have like a vet on staff or just someone that you are? Do you have like just a team of different vets that you use? Um, I go through some vets that are down. They uh, offer a low-cost spay and neuter clinic five days a week, all year round. So, But that's about an hour and 45 minutes to one, an hour and a half to the other. In the months of October and November, I went there five days a week. I was traveling, you know, an hour and a, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes to either facility waiting there during the day, they'd be done at two or three o'clock in the afternoon and I'd have to drive home. Then I had to take care of all my cats for my evening chores because I'd leave about 6 a.m. So I was up, you know, about 3, 3.15 every morning trying to get my morning chores done before I had to leave. It was pretty crazy. Well, and I know you have so many cats. I know your representative at Cuddly was telling me about this transport effort that suddenly was canceled. Could you tell us everything that went on with that? Yeah. 
we had about 139 that were supposed to have went to Massachusetts. And uh, I mean, we spent a lot of money and a lot of effort and time and getting the transport vans and people and all that kind of stuff. Two days before transport, they canceled on us because their veterinarian had quit them. Mm. And they had told me for these, it took us six weeks to get everybody ready, but they told us, no, don't get these spay and neutered. We'll do it here. And we're like, okay. So I had six weeks delayed on some of these cats and kittens that should have been fixed and they didn't. That's why in October and November, I was taking five, 15, 20. I even took 25 one time down there, different facilities to get fixed. And it took me two solid months to get all these 139 done, plus everybody else that we had to just normally do. So it was a lot of cats. I'll just say that, a lot of cats. Oh my God. Sid, can you even imagine 25 cats in one? I can't imagine. I'm just trying to even visually imagine 25 cats. And I, it just seems like so much. Oh no. If I got to do, I can put 32 in my Jeep. <laughs> if I drive a Jeep. I used to have an Expedition uh, XL, so it was like super big, super long. I think one time in the small, small carriers, I think we were able to get 64 in there. Wow. I can get them, I take them. And I don't know how many times during COVID when it first started, the one uh, spay and neuter clinic that I dealt with, they were like, we didn't get any appointments, dogs or cats. Can you bring in, you know, and they'd say 60 or 65. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me just load them up. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go over there and I kept some of those places, you know, in business when when business wasn't in around anywhere for COVID. So and then during COVID in the state of Oklahoma, it was determined that spay and neuter was an essential necessity. And so they stayed open. A lot of other people closed, but as per the vet board or of Oklahoma, they said it was a necessity, you know, necessity type. I love that item. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Let's keep going. Don't close your doors. Oh yeah. That's a game changer then. That's so helpful. Yeah. And it was sad because a lot of the cities, there was like Sherman and Denison, you know, down in Texas, I'm Oklahoma. They were calling me and there were several of them here in Oklahoma. Also these cities, they shut their pounds down completely. There was nowhere. And I remember going to my neighbor and I said, Hey, you know what? I only have nine cats in the building. And after I said that, forget it. I probably had <laughs> 60 or 70 within the week because nobody could take in cats. They were all closed. Isn't that so crazy too? I, I kept hearing that how they were during the period of COVID, how they were saying that spay and neuters weren't an essential surgery, which is so crazy for me to hear. For long-term health, it is absolutely a necessary surgery. And it's it's not entirely complex. Usually vets can get multiple done a day. So I, I had trouble kind of coming to terms when I kept hearing that. Mm -hmm. It was just insane. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, it's, it's so amazing what you're able to do. And I know with that transport effort and correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that when you suddenly had all these cats that you were hanging on to, you had to like bring them into your home and build out a catio or. Yeah. What happened was the little kittens were with their mommy. And of course, when they get to be eight to 10 weeks, then they have to be taken away from their mommy. So then, you know, I have less the mothers, but let's say I had 125 kittens. 
Well, I had to start going onto around my house, which I have a 50 foot deck, a 40 foot deck and a 50 foot deck. And I had to go in and close all of these decks and then have little houses built for them. And I mean, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you go out and you got like 25 food bowls on this side and 25 food bowls on that side and 20 food bowls here and umpteen gallons of water everywhere. I just constantly, but yeah, they had to start living in catios everywhere. And I had to enclose, we had a chain link fenced yard. I had to put purlins on the top of the fence and then cover the top so they couldn't climb out over the fence. I mean, it's huge what I have built now. And then also my cat building, it literally has a window out the front, which has a big eight foot uh, deck and that's enclosed. So the cats can go outside and they can see and everything. And then out the side window, I have 250 foot of fenced in run. So they can, it's got a big L shape to it. So they can run outside. And, and then if it rains and stuff, they all come running inside. Oh, mom, mom, we're getting wet. But they love being able to go outside, you know, and it's all fenced and everything. So at least they can try to halfway be a cat and enjoy, you know, watching the birds climb around everywhere and stuff. So. Yeah, no, that was huge. That was a huge project. It was just me, myself, and I. And it's tough. I'll tell you that. It's tough. You have an energy like no other. I'm like, hearing all of that just makes me want to go to sleep. I mean, you must live on coffee and sunshine. Yeah, hot tea and sunshine. Is yeah. <laughs> I think my foster cats are uh, jealous of that situation, too. That sounds like a great quality of life. <laughs> They're like, uh, I would love to view some birds right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got their little cat trees and, you know, I mean, they're like hopping around everywhere. They're so fun. The cats are so fun. I try to make when they stay here, you know, at the rescue that it's an enjoyable experience. So, and then I try to help people who have difficulty keeping their cats in. I try to show them this is how we can enclose your front porch, or this is how we can make an enclosure outside for you. It's not very expensive. This is where you can get the fencing at, you know, it's little like three quarter inch by three quarter inch fencing, you know, so it's really cool. It really is. I like helping people that, that want the help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I know we have to talk about nativity. Mm -hmm. This cat has gotten so much attention on social media. So could we, we maybe just start with you going over who is nativity first and how they came into your care? Nativity on January 1st, it was brought to my attention that there was a kitty out in a nativity scene. And they remembered that the night before, of course, New Year's Eve, they were all out setting off fireworks outside. And there was a homeless individual that had went over to a furniture moving storage truck. And the truck was cracked about six inches in the back. And they remember him putting, lighting some kind of firework thing, explosive. I mean, it was big. They said it, it shook the truck and just boom. And, and everything caught on fire because there was cardboard boxes inside mm -hmm. of there. And so when they finally got up the next day at noon or one o'clock, they saw this burnt cat in the nativity scene laying there. And so that's how he got the name Nativity and animal control picked him up and they took him to animal control. I was like, take him to the vet, you know, but they didn't because it already closed. 
I went there and grabbed the cat and I was freaking out. I mean, this cat was crunchy and I ran him down to the emergency vet and I was just like, I'm a realist, do whatever you need to do. But if you can save his life and you think, and I was very fortunate at that time that the emergency vet that was on call, she has dealt with several burnt cats and gave me the stories of them. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And I thought, I've never dealt with a burnt cat before. You know, what's it going to need? What am I going to do? You know, things like that. And uh, I called later and I left a message. I said, hey, can you guys help me out? Do you know of a good medical foster? I said, I have all these cats I have to take care of. I don't think I can give this individual cat quality care that it's going to need. So I left that message down there and the vet called me back. And then she's the one that had offered that she would foster the cat. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that was just, I literally started crying. I could not believe that she offered to do that. Oh, that's so amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she clearly has a heart for these these burnt cats. And with her having the knowledge and experience, there's no better hands that can go in. But it was just a blessing. It really was. You know, I felt like I needed to change his name, but I thought, no, I'll leave it nativity because he was found in the nativity scene. Yeah. And for it to be your first cat that has gone through like a burn scenario, mm-hmm. like this is one of the worst cases I've ever seen. Right. So I feel like it's all going to be downhill from here. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to be able to help so many animals after this. Like, I feel like you're put, getting put through the ringer right now. Yeah. And that was our first cat. It was like, you have to be kidding me. This is our first cat for 2022. And I thought, oh my gosh, it, it uh, oh, this is going to be a Lulu of a year. I like to start with the happy things and mm-hmm. <laughs> not just give me the worst case scenario, you know, in the first few hours of the new year. So, but it's okay. It's okay. We're learning a lot and he's hanging in there at the moment. So it's literally, it was hour by hour. And now it's like half day by half day. He's still super critical. The infections, they come, they go, they come, they go. And we just have to figure out antibiotic levels that don't rip his stomach and intestines up Mm -hmm. even though we're giving enough you know we're giving him too much and he's got to fight he has to and he'll be fine at certain times and other times he just flails in his little cat cage you know and it's got it's we end up putting padded sides on it and stuff like that so when he does start you know flailing around and things at least he's hitting something soft and he has no skin. He has no hair. So it's like you got him in a in the incubator and you can't have it too hot because it'll burn his skin and set him on fire. But you got to have it hot enough to keep his body temperature up. And it's crazy. It's a learning experience. I'll say that, you know, and I think he is going to be able to help many, many, many other cats that are burnt or just have a burn wound or something like that. I know the Manuka honey has just been a phenomenal thing for him. And I didn't know that kitty cats could wear baby onesies and stuff like that. So they got little baby cat onesies. And, you know, I'm like, oh my, are you serious? The cat's wearing clothes, but yeah, I can understand how now, you know? So he gets wrapped up in the uh, non-stick gauze bandages and then the little kitty cat onesie goes on and, you know, to protect him. So 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I've, I've learned a lot. I'm not doing it myself. I watch through the videos that mm-hmm. she sends and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of cats that I will be able to help people with. Well, and even just the idea, I know probably other vets who maybe didn't have as much experience with burn scenarios, maybe would have said like, I can't help. I don't know what to do. And the fact that you were able to go to someone who said, no, I not only like will try to help, I know I've got to hit like a track record that says that I can turn this around. That's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just like, man, this is a blessing from above. I couldn't have, you know, as just coincidence that that ER vet was there at that time and saw that cat and was on a call again the next day. So it's going to turn out good. No matter what happens, it's going to turn out good because I have to look at the big picture is what I have to look at. So there will be so many cats in the future that we will know how to handle. Well, so I know the response that we've seen on social media through your promotion has been just insane. Mm -hmm. It's been really mixed, right? As is so many things in animal welfare, people have very strong feelings one way or the other. And I'm wondering how how you're doing with all of that, because I know sometimes social media can be a hard place. Oh, yeah. Social media is brutal. And with me, I know a lot of people say a lot of things that shouldn't be said, but I think it's just because they're not educated. You can say whatever you want, but unless you're in my shoes and you have walked even a quarter mile in my shoes, you don't understand. And I already said this. I am a realist. If that cat needs to be euthanized, it's going to be euthanized. I'm not going to sit there and let something suffer. And that's tough having to be I think one day we had to put down like six cats and I'm just like, one time we had a sickness go through the cattery. I think we lost six or seven little kittens, little bitty kittens, and we couldn't do a thing. And my husband was like, I got to leave. He was in town from working and says, I got to leave. I can't deal with this. How do you do that? And I'm like, you know what? I have to just say my piece and I have a hundred more that are waiting. And I've got hundreds and thousands more waiting tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. I have to keep going. I can't let that bring me down. That's what's hard in rescue. You can't, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Bingo. If you can live by that. And right now it is a words can never hurt me thing. We got some people out there witch hunting cause for a cause cat rescue right now. I mean, witch hunting. It's pretty bad, but you know what? I'll keep going. I'll just keep going. I do think, I mean, with all that, I I do think it's easier for people to say things when they're not necessarily the ones making the decisions. Mm -hmm. I have talked to other rescues who go through these, what other people consider lost causes of cases. And I think it's, it's just super important for people to know that at the end of the day, it's the rescue who has to be okay with what decision they're making. It's it's their voice. It's their decision that's either going to end that cat's life or that animal's life or continue to keep it going. So they have to make every every decision that makes sense for that decision. If that makes sense, you're the one who has to live with it. So you're going to go and take every chance possible. 
Yeah, I had to make a decision probably three weeks ago. And I mean, for a week, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. That's all I kept thinking is, did I do the right thing? There's certain ones that really hit me in the heart. Still upsets me. You carry it. Yeah, I do. You know, on certain ones, I do. I haven't, I haven't let him go yet. It's hard. It really is. But you got to, you know, you got to toughen up and you got to keep going. And I just like right now, I'm at the vet, ready to pick up six more. Just, it's got to, you just got to keep going. You literally do. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I think so many animal welfare groups, especially in this day and age too, like they live so much of their rescue on social media. And I know it's obviously that's not you. You're running around. You don't have time to be sitting on your phone. Really? No, I know Veronica is always hollering. I need an update. I need an update. (laughs) Let me send you a picture. Hold on. Can you update this for me? Yes, I can. (laughs) Yeah, I just, you know, people are like, we need this. We need that. And I'm like, people, I ain't got time. I do my rescue. I do every single thing in my rescue. You know, I have a gal that helps me out. She does a lot of the like applications that are submitted for adoption and things like that. She kind of takes care of that part. And she says, okay, I need you to bring in six to eight cats. I'm like, what time? Where? You know, zoom off I go. So, and I was getting ready to load a couple up today. And she's like, no, 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 that's tomorrow. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I try not to live on social media. I don't have time. And if it wasn't for cats, I wouldn't be on it. I just, I don't have time for it. So, but I do it for some of the kitty cats. I mean, same here, I feel like. I wouldn't be on half the social media accounts if it wasn't for animal welfare. And then in just general, happy cat stuff, I think keeps me going. <laughs> it is so hard and we appreciate you being vulnerable and so generous with people who are being critical. Cause I, I think you're right. There are a lot of people who are critical. And the fact that you are saying too, I was ready. Like if this cat needed to be put down, like I would have understood. But then the vet said, no, I've done this. <laughs> And that's like, that's medical opinion. I mean, that comes from a professional. That's better than any one of us or some random person on social media giving you their two cents. Yeah, because I think if I would have taken that cat in, I would have not been able to provide the proper care time-wise because of me having to take care of the entire rescue. And I wouldn't have time to get these, you know, 59 cats that we're trying to get ready or 20 or 30 or whatever, we sent some up to Wisconsin. So I have a bunch of cheese heads up there right now. And so they're all getting adopted up there. And then I'm sending another group of them to Boston. They're going to fly out of here pretty shortly, I think on the 22nd. So now I'm trying to get that group of cats ready to get going. So it's never ending. You got to get you some volunteers, I think. I know. I have tried to do volunteers, but in this area, no. One volunteer, I'll give you a real quick story. One volunteer one time went to go help me load up 6,000 pounds of pine pellets because we use pine pellets as kitty litter. We didn't even get 15 or 20 bags on the truck. I had 6,000 pounds to be loaded on the truck. Then it has to be driven to the cat rescue. Then it has to be unloaded. We had 15 or 20 bags on the truck and they're like, I'm sorry, but I need to go. And I thought, oh my gosh. So like my dad says, you know, if you're going to do it, do it, you know, yourself, <laughs> you'll be sure it's done. 
yeah, I just, I can't get volunteers that'll stick around. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And people who do have volunteers, they're very fortunate. And I applaud, you know, them very much, but. There's got to be some like fitness people out there that really need a workout that <laughs> that want to give back. I have to think. Yeah, but I'm in a very rural area of Oklahoma, very rural. And I'm mean, around here. Cats are not their priority, not their priority at all. So, yeah, it's just it's hard. So I know you're about to run into the vet, so we don't want to keep you too much longer, but I have some kind of fun questions. It might be stressful, I think, now that I'm thinking about it. Because with that many cats, I have to assume there's been your share of trouble go on. (laughs) So what is the naughtiest thing you've ever had an animal do? Oh, one of the cats got into the house just, I don't know, a night or two nights ago. I didn't even know they got in. And I was just got done with my soup out of the microwave and put it on the counter and boom, the soup went all down the front of me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now I have nothing to eat tonight because I only had one can of soup. I have, uh, oh, what's his name? Slick. Slick was one of our cats that we had a, a fundraiser for. Oh, Slick. I went to go catch Slick and his three brothers and we had them all in the house because their dad, unfortunately, was dying of cancer. Slick decided he was going to open up the bathroom window. And Slick let everybody out. And so it took me two and a half weeks to be able to catch Thomas. And I sat there and tried catching Thomas and traps and people were helping me. And next thing you know, the very last night, I sat on the step and I almost started crying. I'm like, Thomas, will you just please come here? He just walked right up to me, meowed, and I picked him up. I was like, Slick, I'm going to kill you. You let Thomas out. It took me two and a half weeks from like 5 p.m. to 1030 at night, sitting here babysitting, trying to get Thomas in. And I just sat down and he walked right up to me. I was like, oh, my gosh. But no, I mean, cats, they'll do. They open the door and let 30 or 40 of them out or or. Oh, now that it's kind of been raining, they like to dig. And so they dig holes underneath the fence and there's like 30 or 40 cats running around all over the you know yard everywhere. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I go go fix the hole and then I got to put all the cats back in and no, they're, they're just, they're bad. They have sent a lot of messages on my phone before people are like, "Excuse <laughs> me, are you uh, drunk or what? I'm like, I don't drink. What are you talking about? They're like, look at the message. I'm like, Oh my gosh. They just typed all over the keyboard and hit send, you know? So yeah, they're just, they're full of it. <laughs> you got to laugh, right? That's all you can do. Oh Yeah. At the end of the day, I have to laugh all the time, or at least by the next day. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. That that's I almost had a text sent the other night. It's, I love that. And I'm just like, how did you even get into my phone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, so our other question that we always like to end on. Is there some sort of quote or motto that you really kind of carry with you and you kind of tell yourself to keep yourself pumped up <laughs> doing this kind of work? My motto, of course, my my name is Pause for Cause Cat Rescue. And I literally say one cat at a time, one day at a time. But with us, it's like 10 cats a day. 
is what it is. But yeah, I always try to say that one cat at a time, one day at a time. And I literally have to do that. I have to focus on one cat, get it done and move to the next, you know, and then one cat. And so I, cause I wish I just had one cat every day, but I got many cats every day, but that's okay. That's where I have to look at. And I, I look at people trying to judge me and I'm like, sorry, if you want to come help me, you want to walk in my shoes, you know, for a quarter mile, then you can do that. But yeah, it's just one cat at a time, one day at a time. So great. Well, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out to chat with us. I know you've got 10 more cats to, to take in today. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, I hope the vet's not closed. <laughs> But I'll just walk up to the door and they'll go, oh, it's Angela, let her in. <laughs> VIP treatment. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, I grab the mop when doggies and, you know, make messes on the floor. I help people. I mean, they're just, you know, they like me here. So that's good. <laughs> oh, well, and we like you over here too. So thank you. I try. That's all I can say is I try. I don't expect miracles or anything, but at least I try. And that's what I ask of people. Please just try. I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was so great to catch Angela. We loved speaking with her, really getting an inside look to what's going on in her community and everything that's going on with cats. If you want to learn a little bit more about what she's doing and get a little update on Nativity, you can check our show notes or our blog. And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly, that's C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks, guys.